This Irish man stands with America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello, America. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This, of course, is a show where you come for the accent and you stay for the principles. I have been quiet for the last couple of weeks because, quite honestly, I've been going through a lot of health problems and we can talk about them later on, but I felt compelled to talk to you today. I felt compelled to do a show because I need to talk to you about the future of your nation. I'm recording this on Friday morning. And as of the times I'm recording this, while your presidential election is up in the air, it looks doesn't look good for Donald Trump right now. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of legal cases, and it's going to go to courts, and there's going to be a lot of questions raised, and rightfully so. Your Senate looks pretty much like it's going to be led by the GOP again, and the House is too close to call. I know a lot of you are are hurting right now. A lot of you are upset with some of your results. Whether it's a ballot measure, whether it's the presidential race, whether it's, you know, your favorite congressperson or senator didn't get elected or did get elected. On both sides of the aisle, there's a lot of pain and frustration right now. But I want to talk to you about the future of your nation. Because... One of the things that needs to be addressed is that this election was framed pretty much with different wordings, but the same underlying principle. That this election was a battle for the soul of your nation. It was a a battle for the future direction of your nation. Where would you go? Who would you become? If you know me, I'm not a political guy. I'm not the guy who you go listen to going, hey, you know, vote GOP or vote for this person or vote Donald Trump or vote Joe Biden. I'm not that guy. But we need to step back and understand that, yes, elections have are important in society. It's critical who you have representing you. I have never diminished that elections are important. But we need to understand one fundamental thing. That yes, while voting and going to the polling booth or mailing in your ballot and getting that little sticker that says, I voted, you get your little participation trophy and everyone puts their selfie up on social media. Yes, that is important. That is not a battle for the future of your nation. That is merely one little facet of the battle of your nation. Today, I want to talk to you about the future of your nation and where you go from here. And I want to lay out a roadmap of some of the things I think you need to consider. I'm going to apologize in advance because I don't know if it comes across, but I'm not feeling great. Not 100%. So there's going to be times where I'm going to gap because I'm struggling to breathe. But I'm going to do this the best I can. And I'm going to start by talking to you about politics. Something I don't do, but there are some things we need to address. And I'm not going to address them and saying, this is the answer, you need to vote this way. 
but I'm going to address certain things that I think you need to have an honest conversation about inside. Because I've been around your politics, your ideas. I've been in the public eye quite a bit now. There was a time I was very political when the Tea Party was huge. So let's talk about some of the things we need to discuss, shall we? I don't want to talk about Donald Trump or Joe Biden or the, the this actual election. What I want to discuss is certain aspects that need to be addressed. And the first thing is, since I would say 2008, maybe it's 2012, I have watched Texas become closer and closer and closer. I don't care who the Republican is. Unless the Republican is David Duke or some really crazy, bad, horrific, bad person. Texas should be called immediately. I watched on horror. And I was actually texting people, kind of going, what the hell is going on in Texas? The idea that Texas, when the choice is Donald Trump or Joe Biden, is even a swing state. Is something we need to address and say, what is going on? Now, I know because I've discussed this with some of my friends on the right. It's so easy just to dismiss it and just come up with excuses. Oh, well, it's just all these Californians coming in, John. It's it's the demographics are shifting and, and it's just that. Is it just that? Or is there something deeper we can look at? Is our messaging on point? But I'll get back to the messaging in a few minutes. You've now started to see major changes. If Texas goes Democrat, your nation is dead. Your nation is gone. There is no point in even talking about a presidential election again. But you've also started to see other states happening. As of recording, it looks like Arizona could go to Joe Biden. But I've also heard some inside numbers that D- Donald Trump still thinks he can win it. Now, let's say Donald Trump's team is rice, and the numbers I've been told are rice, and Donald Trump ekes out a win there. Arizona? Should that be a swing state? Should that be like, hey, you know, it's down to the margin of error? Should Donald Trump win Ohio or Arizona easily? Which of them is more his base? Just think about that for a second. Likewise with Georgia. You're starting to see patterns change. Now, it's very easy just to automatically go, well, it's because of immigration. It's because of this issue. It's because of this issue. Okay, let's say every excuse you give me is valid. What are you going to do to address us? Are you just going to go, well, that's just the way it is? Or are we going to start looking inwards and start going, we need to change. Not change our principles, not change our convictions unless they're wrong. And again, we'll be talking about that in a minute as well. But actually change our messaging. Because if you fundamentally believe that politics is the battle for your nation and you pulling the lever forever how you pull it, the trends don't look good in the heartland of what you would call Republican territory. But even as I saw some numbers rolling in Tuesday night, 
in places like Texas that John Cornyn was pulling more of a vote than Donald Trump. He was pulling a couple of points ahead. Now, you can say what you want about Donald Trump. You can say, oh, John, he's Donald Trump. He's a progressive. He's a Democrat. Look at all the... I don't care. That's irrelevant. Are you seriously telling me John Cornyn in Texas is more popular than Donald Trump? And I'm using Texas as an example because Texas is kind of key to your electoral college and to your electoral system. But it's also where I know a lot of people. Let me tell you this about Texas. I know a lot of people in Texas. There was a few people who held their nose voting for Donald Trump because of certain things he's done. But they they did it. There was a lot of people who held their nose voting for John Cornyn because they understood the, the importance of the Senate. But yet he outpolled them. Why is that? Again, oh, the demographics, the, the all those Californians coming in and voting for the crazy lefty policies. Great. Well, what are you going to do to change it? What are you going to do to fundamentally change it? But that's the presidential election where all the focus is in. We need to start honestly having conversations about other aspects of your politics. Because, and this is why I avoid your politics. Because I'm actually going to start naming names today. And I'm going to name them in defense of Donald Trump. Yes, oh yes, apparently I'm a never-Trumper who doesn't like Donald Trump. Sure, I have major disagreements with him. It's never personal with me. I have treated him extremely fair. And I would ask anyone who challenges me on that to look at these shows over the last four years, over four years of social media posts, and say, where was I unfair to Donald Trump? But I remember being political. I remember being part of your Tea Party. I despise people like Lindsey Graham. Why? Because they're weak, they're spineless, they're feckless, they're unprincipled, and all they care about is themselves. Do you remember when we used to primary them? Do you remember when we used to primary John Cornyn? Do you remember when we used to primary Mitch McConnell? What happened to those days? Are they now all of a sudden our friends? I had a conversation with someone on Tuesday night because I honestly am not political. I don't follow your day-to-day politics. And there's certain people I will ask for, hey, that are very political who will be in the know and that I actually trust. And I spoke to them about the Senate and the House. And I said, who are, you know, who's the great leaders in the Senate? Do you know what the answer was? I was like, Mike Lee, Ted Cruz, Rand Paul. Who's the leaders in the Senate or in the House? People like Thomas Massey. Louis Gomer, the same names all repeated over and over again. And I was like, but this election, is there anyone really exciting? Is there, where's the next Ted Cruz? Where's the next Rand Paul? Well, there's some candidates that are really good, but we're not really excited about them. Granted, take that as one person's opinion. Maybe I'll have someone that, yay, well, I like this person. Grace. But why is it always the same stalwarts that are always there that you look to? Why is that little base never, ever growing? Why is it that you always seem to look to the same people? Now, why is this a problem? Because granted, I'm not the most political person, so maybe they have made comments. But one of the things that has been absolutely scary to me is there are major questions about the presidential election. 
And Donald Trump sure does seem to be alone, doesn't he? I don't see Mitch McConnell rallying behind him. In fact, if what I hear behind the scenes, and I take this with a grain of salt, because I don't really know the person who's telling me this stuff, it's coming second hand and third hand, they actually kind of want him to lose. I, where's Lindsey Graham? Where's John Cornyn? Where are all these great Republican leaders? Where's Kevin McCarthy? Why is it he seems to be alone? If this is a battle, if that vote was a battle for the future of your nation, why are you not standing with the president? Now, am I saying you should? That's up to you. But for a Republican party, it sure does seem that Donald Trump is alone, doesn't it? Is that something you want? Is it something that you want? But also, look inwards. And think of what your 2012 self would have said if you were a fire-breeding conservative, if you were a Tea Party. I genuinely saw people online and people I know celebrate that Lindsey Graham won. Is that something? Is that who the Republican Party is? Now, granted, I get the Senate's importance. You don't need to sell the importance of the Senate to me. I'm a constitutionalist. I understand the role of the Senate. I understand how important that is. But is is Lindsey Graham, is it more like, yeah, he won, or is it, yes, he won, yeah. You have to start looking inwards on your political front and start going, what are we going to do? What are you going to start accepting? Uh, is it time to just keep going with the status quo? Because for you guys as a people, not for Donald Trump, not for his legal team, not for the Republican Party, but for you as an individual people who have been bought, sold the line that this election was the battle for the future of your nation. Your job is done. You can't do anything. Everything is out of your hands. But what you can start doing is start looking to 2022, 2024. Because whether Donald Trump wins or Donald Trump loses... I don't have any inside information. I'm not exactly the person people tell inside information to on Donald Trump. But there's a very good chance 2024, whether Donald Trump wins or loses, you're going to have to start thinking about who you're going to nominate. What's the messaging going to be? What are you going to rally behind? And it's that messaging we need to talk about because I want to, that's where I really want to focus. Yes, you have to talk about politics. You need to look inwards, but also, you also need to understand that it is time to talk about the Constitution again. Because if, let's say, your worst fears have come true right now, and let's say Joe Biden, God forbid, is your next president, what stops him? The House, the Senate. But what is also critical, what is absolutely critical to stopping Joe Biden, that is absolutely key in the Constitution, and it is a key principle you guys were founded upon. What's that word we need to start talking about, and we're going to start talking about it a lot more going forward? Federalism. It's time to start taking the focus Yes, the presidential race is important, and I'm not ever, ever going to be the person that says you should not talk about the presidency, or the House, or the Senate. 
But you want to know where you fundamentally need to change? You need to change in your states. You need to start electing people to your state houses, to your state senates, to your governors, to your mayoral races. Where you all combined as a state stand up to the federal government, whether it is led by the Republican Party, whether it is led by the Democratic Party. And you go, we don't want your help. We don't need your help. You have 18 clauses up to do in D.C. Everything else, mind your own business. It isn't your place and we don't want you. Oh, and another thing, we don't want your federal money. You want to start thinking about how if Joe Biden is president, how you stop him? That's how. The Constitution. And we're going to talk about that messaging in a minute. Time to start looking inwards and start thinking about our message. You know, one of the things when you're in a political campaign, and I get it, I understand it. I don't agree with it, but I understand it. When you're in a political campaign, all you want to do is project strength, that we have all the answers. Even if we don't, we'll project it. You don't want to show any sign of weakness, because if you do, your enemy will jump on it. But we're not in a campaign anymore. We're not looking to vote for anyone. It's now time to look inwards and have honest conversations about our message. And there are some things we need to address. Because the Republican platform, the platform of the right, do you think it's at its strongest right now? Do you think it's at its most principled right now? Or do you think we have fundamental problems? Is there any aspect that we can improve? Because I'm going to be honest with you. You can improve a lot. It's time to actually get back to founding principles. If you want to have a battle over your nation, is there any more important battle that you want to have than the Constitution? than the Declaration of Independence, than the Bill of Rights. Is that not key to who you are, to who you were, and to who you want to be going forward? Does the Constitution have any relevance? Does certain principles like limited government have any place going forward? Does free trade have any place going forward on the platform of freedom, on the platform of the right? Because there are a lot of good things and bad things we need to talk about on our messaging. Let me start with the good. And the people are going to be shocked. Because apparently I have this hatred for Trump. Which I don't. I just just disagree with him on a lot of principles. But you want to know one thing a lot of Republicans can look at? And Donald Trump and sort of go, Hey, what did he do that we can pick up upon? This election. Whether he wins or loses, the numbers are in. You know, for for the constant media lie that Donald Trump is, oh my God, orange man racist, orange man xenophobic, 
orange man hates women. He increased his percentage on every demographic bar. What was that? What was that demographic? Yeah, he didn't do. Oh, that's right. White men. You know, for a racist, he sure does suck at it. He sure does reach a lot of people. What does Donald Trump do that you can look at in messaging? Now, I give Donald Trump, and I've given Donald Trump credit in the past, and I, I will continue to do so, whether he is president or not, when I think he does things that I agree with. You know the one thing that a lot of politicians going forward can learn about Donald Trump? Is whether you like his language or not, whether you like the way he tweets or not, he sure does tell how it is. It's kind of unfiltered. It hasn't, it's clear, it hasn't gone through an echo chamber of pollsters. Oh, well, use these words. This really resonates with the public. Oh, and then I use this word because that, you know, the, the dial went up to 90 when you used that word. Donald Trump's not that guy. For all his warts and for all his, his graces and for all his strengths and weaknesses, he, he tells it how it is. Maybe something, you know, maybe that's an understanding. You know, I'm watching some of my friends on the right laugh at the left because they talk about how the urban elites don't understand the people. You think the Republican elites understand the people? You think Lindsey Graham, John, John Corn, and Mitch McConnell have anything in common with you people? I'm sorry, I hate to break this to you. This is CNN breaking news. Get the ticker ready. They don't. They haven't got a clue how you live. They don't care how you live. And I would say that about the vast majority of politicians. They live in a bubble. They live in the D.C. bubble. Do you ever notice, even when times are good, the economy's good, the economy's bad, there always seems to be cranes in D.C. giving the illusion that there's always work going. We're always progressing somewhere. We're always building something. Everywhere else might be desolate and dead, but in D.C. it's not. D.C. always looks after itself. D.C. is a swamp. It was a swamp prior to 2016, and whether Donald Trump wins or loses, it will be a swamp going forward, unless you start changing things. So what did Donald Trump do to increase his share? What did Donald Trump do to talk to get more black Americans to vote for him? What did Donald Trump do to get more Cuban Americans to vote for him? To get more, what, what, what was the media called them? Oh yeah, those white Cubans. Those white Latinos. What did he do to get more of them to vote for? Now, I'm not here to talk to you about politics, but maybe this is some questions you need to ask yourself. But also, we need to understand the message that Republican principles are kind of all over the place right now. Let me give you one example. I could give you countless examples. Florida. The great state of Florida. Donald Trump won a handily. Won it very handily, in the grand scheme of things. He got what? Um, 51.2% of the vote. 5.6 million people voted for Donald Trump. They did well. There was no Senate races. They did well in the House. They got 16 seats to the Republicans, 11 to the Democrats. Okay, great. That sounds alright, doesn't it? But then when you look down the ballot measures, Florida said, uh, yeah, we need a minimum wage. But not only do we need a minimum wage, it's raised to $10 an hour from September 30th, and then it's going to increase a dollar 
per hour until it reaches fifteen dollars in twenty twenty six. Is this is this all of a sudden a Republican principle? What do you think that's going to do? Is min- is the government controlling minimum wage a Republican principle? And this is a state that voted Donald Trump. Now it's easy to go, well, oh, you know what, it, John? It, that's all those lefties, all those people. Okay, maybe you have a point, but let's just do some maths here for a second. Five point two million people voted for Joe Biden in Florida. On that ballot measure, 6.4 million people voted yes for a minimum wage. There was some crossover. And that your fact that you're giving yourself a pay increase for the next six years. Do you know anyone who could do that? Do you know a CEO? Let's just talk about the millionaires and billionaires. Do you know a millionaire and a billionaire who can be thinking, you know what? I'm ahead of this company. I'm giving myself a pay increase each year until 2026. Does that sound sustainable? Especially when you've got COVID. Your economies are going through are going to go through major issues. What do you think $15 an hour is going to do? But yet that's a Republican state. Is the Republican messaging good? We need to have a conversation and kind of go, look at what we stand for. What is the Republican agenda? And what are I don't care what the Republican agenda is per se. What is the battle for America? What are the principles we should stand for? Is it the Constitution? Is it the Bill of Rights? Is it the Declaration of Independence? Is it the fundamental principle of limited government? Of free trade? Of no debt? Are these principles that are good? But I know a lot of people, when I start saying this, because of where they're located or because of their opinion, kind of go, okay, but John, that won't sell in my state. Okay, great. Let's say that's fundamentally true. What do you do? Do you just give up? Do you just give up and go, well, that won't sell in my state, so I'm not going to do it. I give up. Or do you start making the argument and understand that this is a battle for the soul of your nation? This is a battle for the soul of your nation. Because I want to get biblical with you for a second, because I I don't know whether I've shared this with you on the air or not, but I've had this feeling in my gut of what we're about to enter. And there's a lot of people who I know online think this is the end of the world. You know, with coronavirus and all these storms and all, you know, the plagues and locusts and all these different things. They're convinced Jesus is coming back. I'm not. I, I think things are about to get a lot worse before Jesus comes back. That's my own opinion. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm right. I don't know. But I let me tell you where I think the world is right now. And it's a biblical story and it's a biblical principle. But I think it's absolutely key for America to understand. Because you are a Christian nation. Because of your founding. We are the children of Israel. And we have been led into the desert. Now, I don't know who Moses is in this story. But we are about to spend 40 years. And please God, it's not literally 40 years. Hopefully that's a more figurative term. In the desert. And we're about to enter a fundamental test. Will we be the children of Egypt? The children of Israel? 
who actually stay loyal to Moses. Even as we're, yes, we're walking around in circles. And we're talking, didn't we just pass this point up? Yep, we just passed it. Even as we're walking around in circles, will we remain loyal to what is fundamentally right and true? In that story, it was loyal to God, which is kind of a key principle if you're a Christian or a Jew right now. Or will you look and be frustrated and lose hope and lose faith and go, you know what, this sucks. Yes, I'm free. Yes, I don't have chains. But we're going, we're not getting anywhere. We're just going around in circles. You know, when I had slaves and I was back in Egypt, at least we ate meat. And they gave up hope. I believe we are about to enter those times. I believe we're on that path. And I believe that is the battle that you're in right now. Will you lose hope? Will you abandon all hope, all moral reasoning, all faith in what is good, right, and just? Or will you remain loyal? And remain loyal to the principles. Yes, it will be painful. Yes, it will be frustrating. Yes, it will drive you insane at times. But will you remain loyal? Will you remain loyal to those core fundamental principles? That is the real battle. Because it doesn't happen on a national stage. It doesn't happen at a fancy convention. It doesn't happen at a fancy speech. Where it happens is in your own heart. Because we need to start looking at our messaging kind of going, are we, the stuff we are arguing for, is it fundamentally morally right? Forget politically popular. Forget politically winning elections. Is it fundamentally morally right? Because I look around at the messaging and I see the right embracing Europe's right. Now, this is not an attack on Donald Trump. I get he's his friend or whatever. But I find it morally repugnant that so many on the right are open to having people like Nigel Farage involved in their party. If Nigel Farage was part of a political party, he would be part of the Democratic Party on policy. He is not some freedom-loving person. It's time to start looking inward and kind of go, what do we believe in and who do we want to align ourselves with? Because what you have seen over the last four, eight, twelve years, and actually even going back longer, if you wanted to actually give a historical lesson, this has happened since the teddy bear was president, where the American right has become more in line with the European right. Because the fundamental difference in America's right and left and Europe's right and left was one fundamental question. If you look at Europe's policies, if you look at Ireland, if you look at England, if you look at France, if you look at Germany, left and right all agree on one key principle. Government is the answer. What they fundamentally argue, bicker, and sometimes kill themselves over is what way the government is the answer. They all agree on the principle, government is the answer. If you ask a left person or a righty in in Europe, should the government do this or be involved in this? The answer will be yes. 
They will just have different policies, different, you know, they will fund it differently. They will put different people in charge. They would do it longer, shorter, better, quicker, you know, broader, or a totally different policy. But the government has a role. Why? Because government is key to European-type societies. Right now, in England, just let me give you some stories that you need to be aware of. There was a story in England where a person, a mother, sorry, a mother and a daughter hadn't seen their grandmother in a period of time because of COVID, and they went into a second lockdown. They went to take their mother and grandmother out of it. They got arrested. You're starting to see in Europe what is deemed essential. I can go buy alcohol, but I can't go buy clothes in some places. And they'll say, oh, well, you've got click and collect and you can go buy online. But if I want to go to a certain store, I can't. Because it's not deemed essential. Because we are in lockdown. When a government has that raw power, what can it not do? When a government can say, you can't leave your house and go outside five kilometers of your house, which is three miles, unless it's deemed an essential journey, and the government deems what's essential or not, Where's the limit on power? Left and right agree with this. And this is the same. Ireland, England, France, Germany. Yeah, the restrictions might change. What is deemed essential might change. But they all agree on one common theme. Government has that power. Because they're elected. And they say they do. America's left and right was fundamentally different. The right in America would say... Does should the government? No. Should the, the left would say should the government? Absolutely. Yeah. Should the government? Yeah. We're like Europe. America's right. No. And if they gave a detailed answer, it would be: Is it in the constitution? If it's not, no. Automatically. Guys, I'm going to keep making this case for you, and I don't care whether it's popular or not. The answer to every problem you face is your founding principles. It's just, do you have faith in them? I want to finish up today's show by hitting several different topics just very quickly. Firstly... And I want to thank you guys and girls, ladies and gents and everyone else who, you know, whatever you identify as today, I, I want to thank you because I've been going through a lot of health problems and I've been very quiet, you know, a few days I've been posting on social media, but for a long period I've been quiet and I've been quiet on this show for what, three weeks now. This will be the last show of 2020 because I need to get better. I... Don't want to go into. I don't want to bore you with my medical problems because you all have your own problems right now. But I need to get better. I need to get stronger. Need to take a load of meds and rest. And I don't know whether you can hear it right now, but I'm gassed. I'm, I'm struggling to breathe to do this show to talk this long. I appreciate you guys because you're my family, and I feel you're hurting right now. I want to, on a personal level, 
encourage anyone who is having any health mouth uh, any health problems to get them looked into without boring you with the details this year i've had a lot of health problems if you've been a listener you've known you've heard them i've got a wake-up call this year on my health and thankfully while i have loads of little things combining into one problem Everything I have can be cured. And please God, by spring next year, I'll be a new man. By Christmas, I'll be a lot healthier. And I'm determined to do it. But I've got lucky. It could have easily went the other way. I could have dilly-dallied and not done things and not looked into treatment and got worse and worse and worse and maybe got even a lot sicker. And maybe then it might have been a more serious diagnosis. So if you're dealing with something... I strongly encourage you, don't put it off. Go see someone. Please. Your life could, it literally could save your life. And if, if nothing else, it could give you a reality wake-up call. That's what I've got. But secondly, I want to talk to you if you're hurt. If you're f- afraid right now, if you're thinking America is over, if you think America is finished. I feel your frustration. I feel your pain. I don't agree with your 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 end analogy. And I'm going to talk to you about that why. But I want you to understand something. And I think I'm actually one of the best people to give this message. I don't say that very often. But I understand pain. I understand hurt. I understand disappointment. I can't tell you how many times I have been kicked. And if you're a long-term listener for the last, what, seven years on the blaze now, and you've followed me, you know some of what I've talked about. You know, I've gone through a lot of highs, you know. In another world, you know, just to give you one example of disappointment, in another world, you know, if there's another parallel universe where different outcomes happen, I'm living in Texas working for Glenn Beck right now. In another world, that's me. Now, would that change anything? Well, I'd be living my dream. I'd be serving. I'd be out speaking every night that I could. I'd be doing a lot of things. I'd be doing so many things out there. But I can't because I was, you know, didn't meet the criteria to apply for your visa. Count, I can count so many things. I don't want pity. I don't want poor me. I'm also going through a very hard decision right now as well. Because, I might as well tell you all, but, you know, you all know I was supposed to do a speaking tour in January for nine weeks. It was going to be my biggest ever speaking tour. I'm 99% certain as recording this, that's not going to happen now. Why? Because I can't get into your nation. Because there's no travel for non-Americans. When I started planning this in the summer, um... When I started planning this in the summer, your economy was starting to open up. I made the stupid assumption that, well, your economy's opening up, travel's going to open up. It hasn't. And with this projected, you know, legal battle, whether Trump wins or Biden wins, it's going to be, you know, a lot of things. And then it's Thanksgiving, then it's Christmas. And then what happens? And what happens if Joe Biden wins? You know, is travel all of a sudden going to become popular again? So I'm going to have to postpone my speaking tour. All my plans of that I wanted to do, that I was building for in 2021 are, you know, up in the air right now. Maybe they do go ahead. Maybe I find a way. But it's in question. 
So I get your pain. I get your frustration. And I know some of you are saying, well, that pain is nothing compared to what we're about to experience. Maybe, maybe not. But what I do want to tell you is, is that pain and suffering, it is never fun. There's no one I've ever met that went, you know what, that pain was wonderful. That, I, I'm really glad I went through that suffering. But what I will tell you is, is that if you use that pain and suffering, it can motivate you, but also you can learn from it and you can grow from it. You know, whether we like it or not, or whether we even think this would be a good world to live in. Personally, I think it would suck. But if life was all smooth sailing and everything was, you know, just grandiose and simple and everything just went our way, that would be really boring. There would be no growth of character. There'd be no growth of individuals. There'd be no heroes to celebrate. There'd be no heroes to look up to. It would just be boring. It would be bland. Are you about to enter really untroubling times? Yes, I'm not going to lie to you. And it's going to be tough. And it's going to be hard. But that builds character. Never ever forget there's a great saying which I always love. And I use in my own life. Desperation is the fertilization of creativity. Let me say that again. Desperation is the fertilization of creativity. You may be going through tough times. You may have tough days ahead of you. But that doesn't mean it is your end. That does not mean it's over. That does not mean, hey, I'll just let's give up. Let's just, uh, let's just give up. That does not what it's not what that means. It means start looking inward and grow. Build your character. Build your message. Build your base even stronger. Because here's the truth. The idea of freedom is a powerful message. It is a message that is inspiring. It is a message that works. It is a message that changed the world. And it can change it again. It may take time. And you say, well, we don't have time. Make the time. Never, ever give up. Because here's the truth and what I want to leave you with. If you're struggling for hope. Look back on your history take inspiration as i do from your history your history is all about bad dark days but then you overcome them whether it was your revolutionary war think of george washington think of all the patriots who fought under him do you think it was smooth sailing as they went into that battle after they'd assigned the Declaration of Independence. They went into battle and they lost. They got their asses handed to them. Maybe you feel you got your ass handed to you in 2020. But that doesn't mean you go, oh well, we're done. It means you retreat and you get ready for the next battle. And yes, you may lose that battle as well. But then you retreat, you pull back and you engage again. You never ever stop engaging. You never, ever stop promoting a message. A message that is fundamentally true. Think of George Washington. All the battles. If you—if that is one thing you want inspiration from, just read George Washington and his that six-month period where he was leader of the Continental Army, where from July and all the battles. And think of what happened. 
Think of what he must have experienced. And look at it, if you must, from his point of view. And think of what he must have thought when he was going to sleep at night. When he was going to sleep and he kind of going, what the hell have I done? I had everything. I didn't. I don't need to be here. I don't need to be the leader of the Continental Army. I had money. I had land. I had prestige. I had name recognition. I was George Washington. And here I am. I'm sitting in a muddy, damp field. I'm looking at men that have been murdered. I'm looking at men that are battered, that are bruised. Uh, some of my men who are going to engage in the next battle don't have shoes. They're eating the same bland food. Some of them don't have their own muskets. And I've got to rally these people and go against the superpower of the day. I've got to fight them, those redcoats. I don't, what was I doing? Was I on drugs? Like, like, did I like take acid the night I said I'd be the leader of the Continental Army? But he did it anyway. And he won. Think of it, if that's a story you want to talk about, think of it from them. Or if you need another story about your history, because I could give you so many. Think about, because you're, actually here's maybe a better story because of the time of year. Think about the pilgrims. Think about their story as you get to Thanksgiving. Think about those 101 souls who boarded the Mayflower for a better tomorrow. 50 of them didn't make it. They didn't get there. Think of their pain, of their suffering, of what they must have felt. Think about being on that boat. If you want to be horrified or think about painful situations, just think of, look, Google the size of the Mayflower. The length and the width. And think about what it would be like to live in those conditions for a hundred days. And think of it in a swell, you know, first think of it in a swell conditions. Where you have your PSP, you have your iPad, you have your internet, you have Netflix, you have Amazon, you have, you know, cable news, you have all the sports. Think about spending that amount of time with a hundred people. And you can't leave. Would that do your head in? Now visualize it. No Netflix. No Amazon. No sports. No Wi-Fi. No iPad. No iPhone. No music. And you're looking at people getting sick. And on top of that, you're on a boat on a choppy ocean. Does that sound like fun to you? Does that sound like, gee, I want to do that? No. But that's what is key to your nation. You've had dark days. You've had days where it's like, oh my God, you know what? If I was on the Mayfair, there's a chance I might be looking and kind of going, I just want to jump overboard. Let the sharks get me or let the cold water just kill me. Because at least, in you know, it would, I think it's like three minutes you can survive in like really cold water. That the Atlantic is really cold. I think maybe it's three minutes or four minutes. Three minutes, I'm dead. I, I don't have to deal with this anymore. I'm, you know, I'm sitting on this choppy water. I'm getting seasick. The food is horrible. I'm with the same hundred people who talk the same hundred conversations day after day after day after day after day. I have no entertainment. And I don't know what I'm going to get, where we're going to hit land. And I don't know when we hit that land, what we're going to see. What we're going to be. Or if you want to think about when they landed. They didn't land exactly in the right place. Or if you want to get to the happy ending where they're actually the, the people who survived got onto the land, think of the backbreaking work. It wasn't a case of they were, you know, it was the Garden of Eden where God had created all these trees and they got off the boat and went, look at this bountiful land that we have to eat from. No, the hard work actually started then where they actually had to plant. 
where they had to plant their harvest, where they had to plant their food. That's backbreaking work. Again, it's not like they had combine harvesters that we have today, you know, with all the tractors and we just sit and go. No, they actually had to break their backs, but they did it. Think of another time if you want another historical example. Think of the Great Depression. I don't care what you think of it. Think of the World War II. Nazism. Think about the Civil War. Your history is filled with dark days. But you know the difference between those dark days and what made your nation great? The difference is when you had a dark day, you dig deep within your soul and you try to make it a better tomorrow. What do you aspire to be? Because I've spoken to you about politics and I've spoken to you about messaging today. The biggest question you need to ask yourself is what America do you want to aspire to be? You want to talk about the battle and the soul of your nation? Do you aspire to be like George Washington? Do you aspire to be like James Madison? Do you aspire to be like Thomas Jefferson, Ben Franklin, Paul Revere? Do you aspire to be those people, to change the world? Or are you just willing to accept the status quo in the little dogfight, political dogfight you have every two or four years? What do you want to be? Do you aspire to be great? Do you aspire to be exceptional? Because here's the thing. What you gaze upon, you become. What you eat, you regurgitate. What you put in your soul, you put out. Maybe, just maybe, for this Thanksgiving and this Christmas period time, it's time to start gazing upon really good, positive stuff. Maybe it's time to put into our soul something good. Maybe the Bible, if that's your beliefs. I don't want to, hey, I'm not trying to convert you to Jesus or anything. But maybe start gazing upon something positive. Maybe start reading your history to motivate you. Don't feel down. Understand, yes, it sucks. Yes, it's going to be hard. Yes, there's going to be pain. Yes, there's going to be suffering. But that is kind of the American way. But you've always overcome it. Ask yourself one question. Do you want to be part of the American generation that lives, that is part of that generation? That just went, ah, you know, things got really hard. Things got really bad. Things went against us and we gave up. Or do you want to be able to tell your kids and your grandkids and your great-grandkids? Do you want to be written in history of the greatest comeback story that man has ever told? That America went to the brink. But America, the idea, survived. And it survived because of patriots. Not patriots who put up and voted and put a little sticker and took a selfie. But no, patriots who started aspiring to be better. Patriots who started aspiring to be free and started living and living and determined to be free and then started sharing a message and a message that isn't a message based around politics it isn't based around left or right it isn't based around sexuality it isn't based around race because the message of freedom if it is a core key pure message is for everyone you want to build a big camp because that's what people in politics talk about? What bigger camp than, gay? Hey, guess what? You're a free individual. Go pursue your dreams. What message, what, what generation doesn't want that? 
young, old, black, white, gay, straight. What me- what what demographic does that not appeal to? I hope this has given you something to think about. I hope I've given you something to reflect upon. But I will say this. I can't speak for anybody else. I can't speak for you. I can only speak for myself. But I understand the times we live in. Maybe I'm wrong. But I ain't giving up. I ain't giving up on America just yet. In fact, let me be blunt. I'll never give up on your ideals. Because I fundamentally believe in them. They are good. They are honest. They are true. And I don't care whether if 0.000001% of the world believe in them. I will continue to make a case for them. Because they are what the world needs. And especially now. Because maybe I end up in a gulag or a re-education camp. But I would much rather that fate than giving up on something I know is true. Because we cannot and we must not bow to the totalitarian regimes that are starting to come up. The tyrannical governments where people think they can tell you you can hug or see your grandparents. Or see your parents. Or how you can travel. There's an idea called freedom. And we need to make it cool again. How we do that, that's something we can discuss in future shows. But it is something we must do. And it is something I'm going to be working towards. I thank you for tuning in today. Keep, please keep in touch on social media. I'll keep you updated on everything I'm doing on, on the speaking tour and what I've got planned for 2021. But freedom must win. Freedom must win this war. Freedom must win this battle. And God willing, if we are men and women of honor and we act accordingly and worthy of his blessings, freedom will win this war. I wish you all a very happy, peaceful Thanksgiving and Christmas. And I'll talk to you soon. God bless. Freedom versus freebies. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn. On the Blaze Radio Network.